Welcome to the Discipleship Helps Podcast. This podcast is designed to accompany you as you work through the book, Discipleship Helps. This book guides us through foundational doctrine every disciple should know. From time to time, you'll be able to pause and write your answers to the questions in the workbook. We encourage you to read each scripture and cover this journey in prayer. So without further ado, let's begin. We hope you enjoy. Well, we're about to finish up section two. I want to tell you that uh, as far as Acts goes, I was just looking at it. Um, Today, it is set to be twice as long as Discipleship Helps. So, not that a book being long says anything. The book has thousands upon thousands of words. Just so rest easy, okay? There's going to be a lot of words. No, but it's good. It's chock full of good good content. So y'all continue to pray for me. Continue to pray for joy. In this church body, we are fighting through it. Can you guys, anybody else feel that you're working towards joy and you get some advancement and then you get pulled back, but then you keep going forward? Anybody else feel like that? You're not tired? Okay, sweet. So we're all working towards it, right? We're not allowing setbacks to determine whether or not we continue forward. We are pushing towards joy. We are operating from victory, right? Victory is not a fruit of the spirit. Victory is the reality that we live in. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Principles of leadership. What's that guy that writes every leadership book on the planet? What's his name? John Maxwell. Yeah. Got to be a leader. Got to be a leader. You know you're a leader when other people are paying you money to have you say that they're a leader. <laughs> that's how you know you're a leader what you're leading I don't know <laughs> you definitely are a leader uh, principles of leadership uh, and by this time you have been through 24 lessons wow that's a lot from two different sectional headings finding the rock and building on the rock those sections covered the following topics you see them those are foundational In the beginning, Uh, the design was intentional to cover the foundational elements that many within first century Christianity would have known and grown up immersed in. They had an advantage on us in that. We called it finding the rock because these are the truths that your whole life becomes founded on. The second section, building on the rock, is intended to cover what Hebrews calls elementary teachings. As we close the second section, our hope is to begin pressing into maturity and leadership. Principles of leadership will help establish some protecting guidelines as you reproduce the kingdom of God. How many of you guys lead in some capacity in here? How many of you guys don't lead anything just yet? Okay, it's good. It's fine. What we have to recognize is that leadership skills don't come naturally. They are something that must be developed. Okay? Leadership is not something that we have intuitively. We don't just grow up knowing leadership skills. We have to be told 
how a leader should lead. Because you can lead in many different ways. How many of you guys have had a, a boss or a teacher or a parent or a person in your life who was a leader who led mostly through fear? They would inspire fear in you and that's why you obeyed or that's why you followed because you were afraid of the repercussions, right? How many people were leader, you had leaders in your life who wouldn't give you clear direction and so you never knew what was expected? Do you think that these people were intentionally trying to lead poorly? No. no. But they were put into a leadership position and the way that they were leading was producing that kind of fruit in you. Someone saw in them or they were given a platform to be able to lead and yet they didn't possess the skills necessary to lead well. Can I tell you a little bit about myself? I feel like I was never taught leadership skills when this whole church was started. I feel like when I began, uh, when we began doing the Bible study at the house, I didn't have leadership skills. When I was a State Farm agent and, and owned my business, I remember uh, I went through training and they said, uh, they asked us, how many employees are you going to have? And I remember saying, how, how many do people have? You know, well, you should have at least two. Okay, well, I have two. But you, should, you maybe want to have three. Well, I don't think I can afford three. Maybe I'll work up to three. Okay, this is how I'm developing, how I'm going to run this business that's going to cost my family hundreds of thousands of dollars every year, right? So then I get the employees and I have my employees. And it's like, how are you going to train your employees? I don't know, do they have a program that I can send them through and, and then they come out on the other end trained? Well, no, you have to train them. Well, how do I train them? Well, here are some training manuals. You just read them the training manuals. Well, I would go through the training manuals and I think, this doesn't make any sense. I can do it better. So I would try and do it better. And then I would try and, 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 and teach. When they wouldn't do what I was telling them to do, I tried to figure out, well, do I give them more money to make them do what I want them to do? Do I, do I get mad at them to make them do what I want them to do? Do I withhold love from them? Or do I incentivize them and, and to try? If you do these things, I'll take you out for fun things. I don't know. I'm just now a leader. And I'm trying to figure this out. At one point, I had six employees working for me in the office. People would walk in and they'd see everybody on the phone, papers flying, you know, it's buy, sell, buy, sell, right? And they would walk in and, and I remember someone going, wow, man, how do you do it? This is great. And I remember coming home, I think I cried to Lindy that month because I remember us going into debt, $6,000 that month alone, just so I could pay these people. So I had the appearance of looking like a good leader because someone came into a, a really nice looking office that was decorated by my wife, right? And they, and they saw all these people at work, right? And they saw me, you know, dressed in, with a nice shirt and nice slacks and the shoes that I could afford, right? And they, think, they, they thought I was a good leader because of the way that it looked on the outside. What they didn't know is that none of those people except for one would end up with me within a year. I would end up having to fire them all or they would quit or leave. And that I would end up in tens of thousands of dollars of debt as a result of my poor leadership skills and not knowing how to lead. When this church began, I remember not knowing what direction we were going. I knew that I loved the Lord. I knew that I loved the Bible. I loved worship. 
and, and I love to teach. That, that's all that, that there was. It wasn't like I was a leader. It was now more people started coming. I remember when someone gave the first tithe check and I was like, I, I don't know what to do with this. What do we do with this now? It wasn't like we had a bank account set up and a 501c3. It's like, what do we do with this money? It was in my living room and we had a tithe check. It's like, I have a job. Do you want this back? I don't, what do you, you know. We don't just know how to leave. You might have to ask yourself, am I in a position where I'm responsible to lead and maybe I've been doing it for years. Maybe I've been doing it for decades. But no one ever really taught me how to lead. I've just been doing it. I would invite you to do what I've had to do over the last several years, to humble yourself and be willing to learn. Open yourself up to say, maybe I have gotten it wrong. Are there ways I could be doing it better? Amen. How many of you guys are open to that? Yeah, yeah me too, me too. I feel like he wouldn't say this about himself, but if I could just speak positively for you, having been with you through the whole way, you may have learned leadership, you know, as you went, but you've always been a righteous man all along the way, and the Lord has blessed you even when you feel like you may have lacked in leadership skills. The Lord looks at the heart, and he's blessed you because of that humility and that righteousness, being a righteous man. Amen. Amen. Authority is God-ordained, and the kingdom flows through authority. Let's interact with these verses. Let's hand these out. Stephen, will you take Deuteronomy 1, 15 through 18? Caleb, will you take Numbers 27, 18 through 23? Uh, Hannah, will you take Matthew 8, 7 through 10? And Sydney, will you take Matthew 23, 2 through 3? And Stephen, whenever you're ready. So I took the leading men of your tribes, wise and respected men, and appointed them to have authority over you as commanders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and as tribal officials. And I charged your judges at that time, hear the disputes between your brothers and judge fairly, whether the case is between brother Israelites or between one of them and an alien. Do not show partiality in judging, hear both small and great alike. Do not be afraid of any man, for judgment belongs to God. Bring me any case too hard for you, and I will hear it. And at that time, I told you everything you were to do. Beautiful. So let's pause here for just a second, because we're talking about authority in these verses, and I'm really excited to hear what some of you wrote. Uh, please share with me what you guys wrote under this. Anybody? Yeah, go ahead, Alan. The uh, Lord is very organized. The Lord is very organized. Okay, I like it. What else? Yes, ma'am. There is a process or chain of command that we have to follow in God's kingdom. A process or chain of command that we have to follow 
in God's kingdom. Would anyone disagree with that? Please don't be scared to disagree with that. Okay. Who else? Share with me what you got. Through God appointed and ordained spiritual leadership, the people of the flock, church, or organization are ministered to fairly and justly. This is God ordained. Oof. Wisdom. Yeah, you had something here. Come on. Yes. Maybe the early signs of how to choose a leader yeah. in the church are being demonstrated here. I think that's good. Anyone else have something to offer on Deuteronomy? Yes, Tim. Uh, I said that authority was given. Okay. Um, that um, it was given to wise and respected men. It was of the tribes. They weren't outsiders. So okay. It was like within family already that the leaders were chosen. Good. And then uh, they led without fear. It was done without fear. Good. They did what without? How did they lead without fear? Righteous judgments. Righteous judgments. They made judgments without fear. How many people in this room make judgments regularly without fear? This is what the leaders were doing. I want to present something to you before we go on to the next few verses. Uh, have you ever heard that we fear what we don't understand? Yes. I think many people don't understand authority or leadership, and so they fear it. And you can describe this as insecurity or um, uh, however you want to look at it. I think because we don't properly understand authority, we don't properly understand leadership. Mm -hmm. We don't make judgments most of the time. And when we do make judgments, we're full of fear. Right? Oftentimes the leaders aren't people who are leading wise and respected. Okay? We're afraid to give commands as they were instructed to do. Giving commands. We don't want to come off bossy. We don't come, want to come off like we're telling others what to do. Right? We don't want to be wrong in our judgments, lest judgment fall back on us. Right? Do you see that if we don't understand leadership, if we don't understand authority, then we won't be able to eat the fruit of it? But this is God-ordained. Numbers 27. Go ahead. So, so the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire for him by the judgment of the Urim before the Lord. At, at this word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in. Both he and all the people of Israel will, um, with him, the whole congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And he took Joshua and made him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole congregation. And he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord directed to Moses. Beautiful. What did you guys write for this? Kelly, what did you write? Okay. I like that. What else? Uh, authority is not for us but the Lord. Authority is not for us but the Lord. Give me more. 
Um, so you talked uh, because um, he was talking about how um, he was commanded to pass on. Mm -hmm. um, so the authority may have been him at the moment, but it wasn't uh, for his glory for him to have the authority. It was for the Lord's glory because he was being passed on. Excellent. So that the process over time would give glory to the Lord. Yep, I like that. What else? Stuff yes, sir. I believe we read the same passage like a few weeks back. Okay. I remember just weeping mm. when I read it, and it had the same effect on me this time. Wow. Just the power of that type of commissioning service. Wow. Of leaders mm. placing their hands mm. on sub-leaders or whatever <laughs> yeah. in front of the people. Mm. And I think that that's something that as a church body, the grander you know, church, we don't do very well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think it's a missing piece as far as that, you know, passing on that mantle, that authority. Um, so, yeah. Boy, that's Sometimes good. It just really made me weep. Boy, that's good. That's good. And that yes. makes me think of <clears throat> the authority that's passed on is one that will go further than the one that is that handed it over, yeah. right? Like Joshua was intended to go further, right? Yeah. And that that was pivotal in his ability to walk in that authority. It wasn't yeah. your commission for this. Now stay there. Yeah. It was now go and run with this and take it further than I could. Yeah. You know, uh, I remember whenever we did uh, Pastor Massey's commissioning, and we were in uh, uh, Virginia. And we were in uh, Zeke Lamb's basement. And uh, I remember it was a very powerful moment, just like you're describing. And uh, all the, the leaders and the elders and the pastors from the churches, they came and they placed their hands on him. We were all praying over him. And it was in a basement. But there was something really powerful in it, too, because it was an acknowledgement of who he was and of what the Lord had placed inside of him and of who we were calling him to be and what he was stepping into. So I agree with you. I think that that's really powerful. Uh, anybody else write anything for numbers? Yes, sir. Um, well, it was a couple of thoughts. One is that uh, we can't have authority unless we're under authority. And even those who are appointed need to have the Lord's counsel uh, and those whom the priests uh, to hear from the Lord. Wow. Wow. You, you, have you ever thought about this, like what Israel was? Because sometimes, I mean, what are we? We're a collection of people, right? I mean, we talk about if I have authority, you guys see me as your pet. I can walk into the, no one cares. I'm walking to the guest. I'm just a schmo, right? A schmo. But for some reason in here, amongst you guys, we have a special relationship. And you acknowledge an authority in me, right? But, but, but who am I? It is, it is really just us reading and recognizing what has been passed down to us, what we are voluntarily making ourselves a part of and voluntarily submitting ourselves to, right? This is, if we make it something more than this voluntary collection of people who are ascribing to a, a way of life, right? That's what we are, aren't we? And so if I become something more and I begin to, to operate in this, you know, uh, dictatorial way or I become a tyrant or I'm trying to rule by power or fear and I'm, I'm doing that or I'm withholding love from you to, to manipulate you into it becomes something different, doesn't it? 
But if we really are just a collection, a community of people, and we're saying, look, we see what's in here and we want to go there. And we recognize that God has done something special in you and that he's appointed you or you people to help lead us there. We're going to voluntarily submit ourselves to your leadership because we trust in where not just you're taking us, but where God is taking us through you. Now, all of a sudden, because of that willingness and because of that voluntary heart, we become something different, don't we? We become a body. We become a family. We become a flock. We're moving somewhere. We exist for a purpose. And that's different than a world full of independent people who are going their own way, trying to achieve their own things. Do you see that? So what would be so detrimental is if we came in here and pretended like authority and leadership was something to be despised. And really, this was just for comfort and entertainment. And I really had no authority in your life. I really had no voice in your life as to the things that you should abstain from or the things that you should work towards or fight for in your life. Because there are things that we talk about that I've seen in the Word that maybe you haven't seen in the Word yet. And you're like, I haven't seen that yet, but I acknowledge your authority and I trust you and I trust the Lord. So I'm going to give that weight, what you're saying. And I'm going to try and apply that to my life because I see value, not just in the Word of God, but in you as a person. That's something that's different than what the world does. Amen. Right? Yes, sir. Could we also say uh, uh, laying on of hands is a point of contact that transfer power? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So when we, we, we talked about the laying on of hands, that was definitely, uh, that was definitely one of the points. That's good. Uh, Matthew 8. Yes. Oh, Hannah. Oh, Hannah. I know, you're, I know who your dad is. I know who your dad is. You stand up and, and, and speak it loud. Speak it loud. And I know how you sing, too. Come on. Lord, Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Um, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. To, uh, I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Okay, so tell me what you guys wrote down from Matthew 8. Zach, what did you write down? Um, first thing that I recognize is that spoken words carry authority. Um, spoken words carry authority. Mm, right. Okay. And then also, with that, the centurion knew Jesus simply had to speak and it would be done because he had faith in his authority. And so, for example, mm. if you're saying we're going to do this and I can't necessarily see it happening, I'm going to have faith by your authority to get it done as opposed to my ability to perceive what we're doing. Good. Good. So there is a, there is a trust. Yeah. Even though you may not see what I'm claiming to see, you're trusting that I do see it. Right. And so you follow as if you see it. Right. That's good. Mm. Go ahead, Shane. This is kind of something I saw through all three of the, the scriptures we've read so far. 
But there's like an ultimate authority and then a delegated authority. And the centurion was recognizing like, Jesus, you have ultimate authority. You're not just someone delegated, but you're someone who delegates and can have send people out and they will do your will just at your word. Mm. And you see that even with like, God had ultimate authority and he gave authority to Moses who then gave authority to Joshua. Yeah. And there's this, this trickling down of authority and the centurion was recognizing like, oh my goodness, you're even greater than me. But like, I, this is like what I do. I get to tell my servants and they go and do it. Yeah. So you can do this for me, right? Yeah. So here's a side note. Someone tell me the difference in authority between Abraham and Moses. So Abraham, father of the faith. Moses, the deliverer of Israel. What's the difference in their authority? Moses was a mediator for the people of Israel and he, um, something about the law, I'd have to look, but there was a significance in what the Jews said about him and his giving of the law. I think I wrote it in my Bible, so maybe you can come back to me. But. Yeah, there's lots of good answers for this. Go ahead. Uh, was it because... Uh, Abraham's authority was primarily with Isaac, mm-hmm. his one son, whereas Moses was over a nation. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a big one. That's a big one. The, the, the number of people that they were entrusted to, right? And uh, if you look at even where they were taking those people to, what was Abraham's duty with Isaac and his family, the people that Abraham had been entrusted to versus what was Moses' duty, right, with those people? Anyone else want to chime in on this? I saw, I saw how Jesus tied authority really closely to faith <coughs> when he was speaking. <coughs> and I see the same thing with Abraham in that he didn't really have anybody to teach him. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like what you're talking about yeah. in your story. Yeah. He just, like, had to walk it out on his own. Yeah. So a little different from Moses who yeah. had people along the way. Yeah. Kind of, like, training you know what's interesting? You look at Abraham. Yeah, I love that. When you look at Abraham and Melchizedek, when they meet, Melchizedek comes out of nowhere, right? So he's the king of Salem, and his name means king of righteousness, and he's from Salem, Jerusalem. Salem means peace. So here's the king of righteousness and peace. And in Hebrews, it says that Jesus was like Melchizedek, right? Where he came from and who came after him, there's no record of it. And so Melchizedek comes, and what does he bring Abraham? Bread and wine. He comes to have communion with him. Right? He's teaching Abraham something, and he said, uh, Blessed be, uh, uh, goodness, blessed be the Lord God of Abraham, creator of heaven and earth. Let's see. We'll get there. Yeah, it's in uh, Genesis 14. He says, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Abram then follows what he just said in verse 22. It says, Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and have taken an oath. Now that might not seem like something interesting to you, but Abram now uses language that he had never used before to describe God. Who did he learn it from? Melchizedek. I find it interesting that when I talk about not knowing leadership, what did I default to? I default to I, I defaulted to the person who had led me the most in my life, Pastor Eric. And I remember over and over asking myself, what would he do in this situation? What would he do in this situation? Right? 
because that was the example that I had been given. So although I hadn't gone through formal leadership training, I had considered my leader's way of life and then was trying to emulate it. Many of you guys might not go through formal leadership training, but if you have leaders in your life who are righteous and whose outcome, the outcome of their life, is something that you want to emulate, well then consider their way closely. Watch how they react. Do you see why it might be a good idea to hang around people whose life you want to emulate? Right? Because you get to watch how they react to different situations when things don't go their way, when they get bad news, when there's irritations or annoyances or when they get tempted, when they don't have enough resources, right? How they pray, how they love others, how they rebuke others. Because what leadership training are you getting? Don't you want to consider how they do these things so that you can emulate them, right? I wrote down from Matthew 8, Authority gives commands and expects obedience. That sounds almost borderline like, whoa, 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 expects obedience. I mean, I still get to choose, right? There's something different. When you're working with people who are doubting your leadership, sure, can you truly fully step into the leader that you were called to be? If everyone around you is constantly doubting your leadership, but if, you, if the Lord gives you people who respect and honor your authority and acknowledge your leadership and trust, then you can step even more into the authority and the leadership that God has given you, right? Because you see, hey, we're with you. And that's encouraging as a leader. If, anybody, if anyone in here has ever led anything, to hear the people that you're responsible for say, we believe in you, just like my wife did. We trust you. We're following you. We're with you. Right? Like Jonathan's armor bearer says to him, whatever you have in mind to do, do it. I'm with you, heart and soul. That's encouraging as a leader to hear. Go ahead, Lord, man. Yeah, the Lord, I mean, like, has been really working on this in my life. And um, a phrase that really blew my mind that we don't actually use very often anymore is, um, that I'm sure you all recognize, is I have it on good authority. Mm. And I was thinking about that and just kind of looked up what that means. And it was like, I have this information from someone that I trust hmm. and have just been really digging into and don't have all the answers yet, but of how authority is equivalent and synonymous with trust. Hmm. And um, yeah, I just have never seen those two things as the same, yeah. but just have been realizing how um, in order to also be someone who walks in authority, you have to be someone who does trust. Yeah, that's good. That's rich. That's good. Matthew 23. Go ahead. You have the authority to do that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. What's the takeaway? Yes, sir. Uh, we must be discerning when interacting with authority. Their words may be beneficial, but their actions or example may be detrimental. Mm. Anybody ever had leaders in your life who said one thing and did another? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. What else? Go ahead. I actually didn't know that the phrase practice what they preach, like verbatim, was in there because like everybody says it. Yeah. And I can be like, oh, that's from the Bible. Yeah. I, I didn't like exactly it says it. It's in there. I didn't, yeah. Well, that was pretty cool. That's good. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Miss Ari, did you have something as well? Uh, just also that uh, there still to be respected, even though they may be doing something wrong. Mm, yeah. Boy, that's a tough pill to swallow, isn't it? Yeah. To respect someone even though they're doing the wrong thing or honor them yeah. even though they're doing the wrong thing. Yes, ma'am. Um, I wrote the Israelites were still told to listen to the authority even if they themselves, if the authority didn't do what was right because they sat in a position of authority and that was still important. So what were they truly honoring then? God. God. Lord. God. Yeah. They were honoring the position because of the Lord. Right? This is how the command can be given to uh, honor the king. Even if the king is wicked. Why? Because no authority was placed in your life except that was just put there by God. And we can't justify being disrespectful to authority just because they're not doing what they should. You know what I mean? Yeah. We still have to recognize their position and show honor. Yeah. And yeah. then God will bless that. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Makes me think of when David had the opportunity to kill Saul, they're like, kill him. And he said, no, far be it from me to kill God's anointed. Right. Still knew that God's anointed. Right. And David did not touch Saul, even though Saul was wicked because of the Lord. There's something that's going on in my life right now as a leader, too. Like what she exactly just says that David was in a secret place, in a very hidden place where he could have done something when nobody was watching. Mm. And, and something that I saw was like they they wanted their deeds to be seen by others and I feel like authority is really established and blessed and anointed when you're doing things when nobody sees yeah. and your your actions are speaking a lot louder than what you're actually speaking to others yeah. but more by the life that you live Yeah. Uh, I wrote for Matthew 23 their position is authoritative obey what they say um, I want to share with you what happened to me I guess it was Two years ago now? Yeah. I would say two years ago now. Uh, I remember when uh, I switched from my position on authority, on leadership. Some of you have heard me talk about this, but I think it's pertinent now. To reiterate, <clears throat> I very much despised even the title, pastor. Uh, some of you will remember me you know, pushing that off early on, you know, not wanting to be called that really trying to reinforce this idea that we are the same, there's no difference, right? It's just a different function. And I realized that those things were coming from a place of insecurity in me as a leader. And as I dug down into my insecurities about being a leader, what I realized was if I accepted this, then I was responsible for all the weight that came with it. If I acknowledged that I am a pastor and that I am these people's pastor, and that I am responsible for caring for them in a specific way, then there would be weight that would come with that. And then ultimately, what would be my fear? That I wouldn't be able to live up to it. That I would fail. That I would crack. That I would crumble. Right? That the pressure would crack me. And so I said just from the beginning, no, you know what? It, it, not me. Not me. What I realized was, like it or not, this was the weight that was now on me. 
the right thing to do wasn't to push it off or try and pretend that authority and leadership wasn't real. The right thing for me to do was to acknowledge what the Lord was doing, fully step into it, and trust that whatever gap there was between what I was capable of and what he was calling me to would be filled by his grace. That's the only way that leadership and authority will work in your life. You cannot deny or push off the leadership position that God puts you in. You must fully embrace it. You must speak as a leader with authority. And you must be humble to admit when you get it wrong so that you can be corrected along the way and he will bring you what you need. Remember, Moses was speaking with the burning bush and he kept persisting with the Lord. No, not me. You got the wrong guy. I can't do it. Not me. And eventually the Lord said, okay, well, how about your brother Aaron? He's already on his way, is what he says. The Lord knows what you need. The Lord knows what you need. Step into the position and the authority that God is calling you to or has already put you in. Fully embrace it and also remain humble. Because leadership and authority is something instituted by God for God's glory. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Matthew 28, 18. And he has appointed men of authority in his church. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. For the purpose of building up the body to a place of unity, faith, and maturity. Joy, seriousness, holding, careful, constant, and honor are all words that you will want to pay careful attention to in the next several verses. So Hebrews 13, 17. Let's say this together. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So how would you describe your relationship with God-appointed leaders in the body of Christ? Do you know them? Do they know you? Would they say that you are a joy to correct, encourage, or train in righteousness? And if your quick answer is, yeah, I think so, ask a friend. (laughs) Give me your honest answer. Do you think that they would say I'm a joy to correct? As a disciple of Christ, it is extremely important that you honor authority by making their work a joy. Remember, they must give an account for you. As you venture out into areas of leadership, the importance of this scriptural imperative will become clear. After all, you will have to give an account for your work too. Okay, so someone tell me, what are some of the reasons you might want to make your leader's work a joy? So they correct you less. So they correct you less. <laughs> yes. So they keep leading you? So they keep leading you? Okay. That's good. That's good. Yes, sir. Well, I, I think that also inspires and encourages uh, growth in leadership as well. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yes. It reminds me of when the Lord told the people to pray for the well-being of Babylon when they were in it. Mm. The idea that when Babylon was blessed, then they would receive blessing too because Babylon would be going in the right direction. So we pray for our leaders because as our leaders continue to receive revelation and as our leaders continue to lead correctly, then we will be getting closer to the Lord by default. 
Excellent, excellent. Christine, what do you think? Why would you want your leader's work to be a joy? That's okay. Take your time. Because you want them to, because they are watching over your souls, you would want them to be like, oh my gosh, I love cultivating you. I love getting to pour into you. I don't feel like this is a waste of my time. It's like, you still know that it's their job to do it anyways. Because, and like, they know it's still their job. But you should do it in a way that's like, this is working, like, this is growing me, like, I'm benefiting from this too, you know, like, or they're benefiting from it too, because they're, like, getting fed mm. as they're feeding you. Yeah, that's good. That's good, Josh. It makes me think of, like, if you go to a personal trainer, and you are, they're like, all right, so we need to do, you know, arms, core, mm -hmm. and legs, and you're like, actually, I only want to do biceps, and you constantly fight them, you're not going to get in the shape you need to be in. Mm. And you're only going to be focusing on the areas you want strength. And if you continue to push them away, they're going to be like, well, all right, fine. I'm not going to train you then. Yeah. You know, like it's for your own benefit to submit equally to everything. Yeah. So you can be trained up the right way. Yeah. And if they're wrestling with immaturity, then they might even show up to the meeting not having anything prepared because they know whatever they prepared, right. you would fight them on it anyways. Right? Alyssa. Well, going off of everything that they're saying, it creates a, a closeness between the two or yeah. however many. And so um, you can continue to grow in that unity. Yeah. And you have, you know, those eyes that see into your life and, and vice versa. So you have like a mirror of what to example as well as receiving correction. Good. Otherwise, it's just that relationship is not going to grow. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, so I had two main leaders in my life before I stepped into the roles that I would play over the last 10 years. Uh, one being a business owner and one being a pastor. The first uh, main role would have been that my relationship with Eric, Pastor Eric down at Life Changing Ministries, now over the One Association. Um, and then my other role was over my boss, Sam Ewing. He was a state farm agent in downtown Houston. What I realized about my relationship with both of those men is that the seeds that I sowed in my relationship with them I then later saw in my employees at State Farm and now in disciples here at this church. The way that I was toward Eric, I see in some of the disciples here at this church. And I, and I recognize it and I'm like, oh man, I can't really get mad at them because I sowed that seed many years ago, right? But then even while I was at State Farm, I remember it's like the Lord brought along a me for me and Jason. Some of y'all know Jason. He's, he actually took over the office uh, and now runs it. Uh, but he was so much like me, right? And, and I remember uh, when that happened and I recognized that and I saw, oh, wow, all the seeds that I sowed in my relationship with my leaders now that I'm a leader, I see those seeds coming back, right? In the good ways and in also the hard ways, right? And so the way that you are now as a student, as a disciple, as someone who's being led, make no mistake about it. You will reproduce yourself and the Lord will bring yourself along to you when you are leading. <laughs> that will be the way that it goes. When you step into leadership in the kingdom, yeah. you will get yourself 
in many different ways. And you will be responsible to lead who you were. And that will work out of you many things that you didn't think were a problem. Reach it. That makes sense? Yes, ma'am. I think of, of back when, like when I lived with you guys, when I first started living with you guys, and I was like, man, like this is hard. Like, ah. Oh. And I just remember constantly pushing back in the beginning of like, I don't understand this. Why is this happening? And then the Lord was like, you are being a burden. Like you're not being a joy. You're not hmm. being willing. You're not being submissive. Just I brought and bring you into these seasons so that it may be a joy for other people. And it's like now I see the end of it. It's like what you were saying. Like, yeah, you will see the fruit of it yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Like you will see like times where you're like, mm, yep, that was, that was me. And like I just... Like, there's such an importance of being a joy to your leaders and the people who are above you. Because it's like, when there's somebody who's being a burden and they keep on pushing back at you, you don't want to give everything that you have to them then. So yeah. it's like, well, are they really going to, do they really want this? Yeah. If they don't want it, then I'm not going to give them everything that I have yeah. that the Lord has taught me. And it's like, I just find that that's so important. Like, this is yeah. so key. Yeah. That we need to like be a joy to our leaders and not be a burden. Yep. Yeah, 100%. I remember um, like uh, there were times when uh, they would just need help around the church. So it was just a church in a garage, right? But they would need help with, with work projects. And we would always go and help with everything and just be at every work thing and help get it done and work as fast and as hard as we could. And I feel like the Lord has surrounded us with people who work really hard and just help with everything. I feel like that is a, one of the characteristics of this church. When we get to work, we all just swarm and, and work. And I, I, I'm like, oh, that, praise God, right? Uh, and I also remember the, the camaraderie that was built, but I also think that those are seeds that were sown into me, not just seeds that I sowed in that relationship, but seeds that were sown into me that also are coming. So you should really think, like, if I'm trying to duck work, if I'm trying to avoid working hard, if I'm trying to avoid assisting in what's going on here, well, when I become a leader, what I'm going to have a hard time with is getting people to buy in and to help me with the things that I see and that I value. If I'm, if I'm putting up, if I'm being like, I don't know if he really knows what he's talking about. If, if I, if I think that he's really got this going on in his heart. Well, who is the Lord going to bring to my life? Someone just like that. And I, I'm like, no, 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 I am. And I, oh, shoot, that was the way that I was towards my leaders. Oh, no. And you're going to have to wrestle with that and deal with it. And it's, it's not because the Lord is punishing you. It's because this is something that's in you. And sometimes we have to be face to face with our own sin and issues before we truly deal with it. Right. And that's the Lord's kindness because he cares long term. Right. Yes, sir. I would imagine most of us in here realize uh, just how, how hard it is to be a pastor. I mean, I wouldn't want to be a pastor any more than I want to be the governor of Illinois. How many people here realize being a pastor is a hard job? Yeah. And so I see that. And so anytime I can compliment you on a message that really touched me or be of an encouragement or deal with something internally so I don't have to bother you. That's why I think uh, trying to instill joy into you is uh, the best way we can keep our leadership up. 
you know what's crazy? You, you guys are a joy to all of us on a, 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 you know, in, in leadership here. I can speak for my brothers and sisters. You guys are a joy because you, you take it seriously. I mean, we're doing a discipleship class and look, you guys are taking it serious. You're taking the kingdom seriously. That's what makes our job a joy. Sure, there are individuals you know, in this room that you know, are getting worked on harder than others right now. And that's okay. That's okay because at different times, we'll all need focus. And we'll all need that attention. And it happens. But when you get focused on, when you get that attention, when it's your season to be receiving the correction, to be working hard, to be bearing the yoke, Receive it, accept it, embrace it, and then when you're done with it, pass it on down to others. That's what really, not just makes this a joy for now, but will continue to make this ministry flourish for the glory of the Lord. Not for any man, but for the glory of the Lord. Amen. Brad? The speaker agrees. I just turned it off. Where did that come from? Oh, I thought Steve was going back. He jumped up like he was running to the sound system. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I got it. I got it. I'm going to go to the bathroom. You think it's a pack? No, I think the pack is connected to the cord. There's like something you see. You're like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Check, check, check. Good connection. A little too high. We're good? This good? Can you hear me? You think it'll record? Yeah. Yep. You're optimistic, though. (laughs) Okay, good. Uh, Titus 2, 6 through 8. Everybody with ESV, yeah. go ahead and read that out loud together. Ready? Go. This is, hey, listen, stop, stop, stop. This is why ESV just won't work. <laughs> It just doesn't work. You got your chance, and this is what you did with it. It didn't work. It didn't work. All right? I'll report back to Nick, and we'll all be on the 84. Okay, good. Miss Brenda, would you read out Titus 2, 6 through 8, please? show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. And then this is the goal. Mm -hmm. Titus 2, 6 through 8. This is very good. Actually, uh, Brian and I were in this passage uh, right before Discipleship Helps tonight. Uh, I actually really like the word seriousness there. It was also something that uh, I pushed away from. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, 
and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. There is a way that you can present yourself. There is a way that you can teach the word where it is sound, it is wise, it is correct, it's accurate, and someone cannot refute it. Uh, This is the goal. This is the goal. Leaders first and foremost set an example. How we live, talk, serve, and interact with the community at large, and of course the community of God, is on display. While joyful, it is equally important that we show appropriate seriousness in all we do and say. Take a moment and think about the context of Titus 2, 6-8. Who will the slander be directed at if Titus acts in in a manner... Uh, inconsistent with Paul's instruction. Let's go there. So who ultimately will the slander be directed at if Titus acts in a manner inconsistent with Paul's instruction? What do you guys think? Would you write down? An opponent. An opponent. Those who oppose. Anyone else? Those who oppose us. So the slander be directed at if Titus acts in a manner inconsistent uh, with Paul's direction. So an opponent might slander us. Who will that slander be directed at? church body, Paul, the leaders. Ultimately, there are people in here, not in this room, there are people in this church who have done things to other people and someone's conclusion from that person that goes to this church is, oh, that's how you guys at this church act. So was it that person that ends up getting the slanderous accusation? It's the church. Wow. How crazy is that? We don't live on an island. Right? You think that you're walking around and it's just you. No, you belong to something. You are a part of something. Remember what we talked about in the beginning? We are a voluntary group of people who have come together because we are working towards something for a common goal in love and unity and faith. That's what we're doing. Well, when we go apart from this group, we still represent this place to those who know about us. Do you guys agree? There can be a few of us in a coffee shop and we say, the arising church is here. (laughs) It's only a few of us, but we represent. Do you see? That's how that works. Yes, ma'am. It also says in the, when they're giving a, instructions earlier that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Mm. Good. I, I had a friend who was just trying to learn about you know what, what God was all about and he said oh yeah no I thought everybody was just like that that one church group that picket funerals and stuff. It's good. Like we oh. we're representing like some people will never read a Bible. We are the representation of God. So them. what we would want to say is with those people who are picketing we would say uh, no 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 they don't represent us. Right? But we don't get a chance to get in front of everybody who thinks that and correct that thinking, do we? Yes, sir. 
So I have actually a testimony to that. Um, we can bring um, on Nick because he's not here. Yeah. Um, but so I was with Tony um, on Monday, and uh, so we were going to look um, at a motorcycle, and so we got talking to the guy who um, owned it, and just like checking it out, and we got talking about the church, um, and come to find out, like the, I saw the person's last name, I knew um, their daughter, but they also knew Nick Massey, mm -hmm. so. Um, Greco said Nick Massey, and there was good, there was a good understanding of who Nick Massey was. Mm. So Tony was able to talk off of Nick Massey's reputation. Beautiful. He wasn't even there. Beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah, how many of you guys uh, have seen? There's people who have never been inside these doors, but who know about us. <laughs> sometimes good, sometimes not good. <laughs> But what do we want? We want a good reputation with outsiders, right? We don't want we don't want to be known for ungodliness, right? Now people might say slanderous things. People might say slanderous things about us, right? But if we get accused of anything, let it be because of righteousness, not because of sinful behavior. Yeah. Someone had something. Yeah. I was just gonna read Colossians three seventeen. Okay. Yes. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians 10, 32 through 11, 2. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Listen to what Paul says next. Follow my Example. I don't want you to think about Paul saying that. I want you to think about you saying that. Don't worry about Paul. Paul's going to be just fine. Right? You think about you saying that to people. Follow my example. Can you say that to people? Right? Do you say that to people? One is... Hypothetically, theoretically, if I was in this situation with these people, I could see myself hinting at the idea of following my example. <laughs> you know what I tell my kids? What we tell our kids? You do what you see your mother and father doing. You say what you hear us saying. They watch a movie, there's a bad word in it. Right? Our first instruction to them will be, hey, does your mom or dad talk like that? Then you don't talk like that. You say what you hear us saying, right? Does daddy treat mommy that way? Does daddy treat other people that way? Then you don't do that. Do you see? Follow my example. And if you can't say that, you need to figure out why. And repent. Yes. I just want to comment on that. Something that I was thinking about recently in the last week or two. Is you and I kind of talked about that recently yeah. about like man like I want to like decide when I want to but like I'm like do I want to do I want people to imitate my faith the people that I'm teaching yeah like oh, right now like yeah I want to say that 
But, and something I've been mulling over is like saying that, like telling some people, like, so like I'm a manager, telling them, hey, follow my example. That kind of like what you were saying about um, like not wanting to own that authority spot. Um, when we say that, follow my example, that almost puts the weight back on. You know, yes. it allows us to own that position again. And it, and it spurs us on to live rightly. Yes. And, and, and yeah. to own that, that yoke, you know, yes. and, and, and uh, yeah, and just wield that uh, authority right again. Instead of pushing it off and saying, oh, maybe don't follow my example or, you know, but when we, when we say follow my example, that puts us back into that, yeah. you know, sober-minded. Yep. Good. As leaders, the primary motivation for all works of service must flow from seeking to benefit others. Topics that are edifying. Discretion regarding varying maturity levels and honoring others above yourself become the daily habits of an effective leader in Christ. Paul instructed the Corinthians to follow his example. As a leader, you strive after Christ, making your life transparent to those around you. In this way, they will learn and be inspired by the way in which you repent of sin, as well as celebrate victories that honor Jesus. Lastly, Paul told them to hold to the teachings. At this church, we encourage you to seek out new personal revelation and invite the discussion of new topics. Iron sharpening iron is something this church values. I underline this next part. Leaders must be wise in the use of their freedom to engage in disputable matters at least as they may relate to differences of opinion between you and other leaders. In other words, do what is in the best interest of the other believers and don't use a platform you were given to promote a pet doctrine that you believe the other leaders have wrong. Can you tell that this might have happened a few times? <laughs> but wait, are you referring to a specific example? We have those vigorous debates over coffee, not from the pulpit. Uh, what I thought was good, topics that are edifying, discretion regarding varying maturity levels. Uh, has anyone in this room either had someone say this to you or you've said this to them? Do we always have to talk about like serious stuff or God stuff or Bible stuff? Do we always have to, we always have to talk about that, right? The idea of always talking about beneficial or edifying things wherever we go, right, is normal. It is abnormal to want to take a break yeah. from talking about things that are edifying, life-giving, eternal, yeah. real, deep, yeah. and true. To say, let's take a break, talk about Hollywood. Let's take a break and dive into sports. Let's take a break and dive into cars or dive into these other things. It's, like, it's not saying that those things are bad. Those things might naturally come up in a conversation, but to get tired of talking about things that are edifying and then put a moratorium on talking about biblical things or about God things, this is not the Lord. That's not from Jesus. That's not the way that he is, right? So just recognize that is our culture. That is what we do when we come together. We say, hey, what are you learning in the word? What is the Lord showing you? How are you progressing or growing in your faith? How have your relationships been going? Are they deep? Are they real? Is there anything you need to get off your chest? Here, I want to encourage you with something. Let me pray for you. Let me prophesy over you. 
Do you see? This is our culture and this is what we do. But as leaders in the different groups that we're a part of, it's our job to foster and build that culture wherever we go. When you get together as friends, someone step up and be the leader to foster that culture. Yes, sir. So just going back to um, engaging in disputable matters or like being wise in just the discussions you bring up because of maturity level. Mm -hmm. I had an experience with this firsthand. I teach geometry. And we were way ahead in our geometry, so I was like, everyone, let's talk about scripture. And all the kids are like, I'm done with geometry, let's do it. Yeah. And so I just started going on, we're talking about the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Trumpets, and going into <laughs> these things, and the things I was studying, and the things I was trying to look into. And I immediately just saw everyone's eyes glaze over. And at the end of class, I sat there, I'm like, yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> like, well, it's all good things I was saying, yeah. and like things that we would love to discuss here, and that everyone would be into, and bringing different ideas. These guys like don't even understand like baptism in the spirit or like the very yeah. elementary things of like what is prayer other sure. than yeah, I just talk with God. That's great. And I was sitting back, I'm like, we should have probably not done that. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's a great example. Them at all. That's a great example. In the same way that because my children are in the room, I'm going to talk about certain topics that might be a little more sensitive in certain ways. I'm gonna use uh, specific words, right? to make sure that I remain general enough to where I don't uh, uh, cause them to engage in things that are beyond their maturity level. Whereas if I was uh, with another brother, right, and I was talking, one who was in the same, I could speak very frankly with that brother, right? And speak to him very plainly about very serious issues and dig into the deepest parts of their heart. In the same way, there are spiritual issues and topics and we have to be aware of the people that we're speaking to. Right? Does someone who cares nothing about the Bible or Jesus want to hear about your thoughts on amillennialism? <laughs> no, they don't. I can tell you that. <laughs> we recognize who we're speaking to and we engage with them appropriately. Amen? Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So conversely, that verse would say, if you do not understand what the Lord's will is, you are being foolish. You see that? Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Do you see how he juxtaposes getting drunk on wine with being filled with the Spirit? People get drunk on wine or use drugs because they think it makes them more free or makes them more themselves or causes them to let the edge off, right? But instead he's saying, don't do that. That's not how you become really yourself. You become yourself when you are full of the Spirit. You become who you are actually supposed to be when you are full of the Spirit. Not when you are drunk on wine or on drugs or other kind of uh, whatever stuff. <laughs> the word that I'm looking for? Substances. That's the exact word that I was looking for. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. When you come together, sing. Maybe you don't even have any instruments. Sing. It's interesting to see what happens when you do the things that we don't normally do. Start praying when you're in a group together. Prayer wasn't on the agenda. Just start praying. And see, 
Sometimes the easiest moments and situations and environments to cultivate the Spirit of God were when you weren't expecting to do something like that. Yeah. Right? Sing a song to the Lord when you don't have any instruments and you're just there together as a group. And watch, I'll bet you the Lord starts to move. I'll bet you His Spirit comes. Start to pray and spend a little bit more time in prayer than you were planning on. Go just a little bit further than the natural rhythm of the prayer. Dig a little bit deeper and I bet you find Him right there. Right? Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Careful submission to the Holy Spirit will lead you into right relationship with God and man. Being filled with the knowledge of the Lord's will and pouring out your life to benefit others are the high aims of the leader in Christ. Make sure that your life could be confidently described as one that submits to others out of reverence for Christ. Hebrews 5, 7 through 14. Who will read this? Yes, go ahead. Uh, actually, Valentine. Yeah. Yes, my brother. Stand up, Hebrews 5, 7 through 14, please. NIV, please. Yes. <laughs> 84, not that 11 jump. <laughs> During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And he was designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not equated with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Beautiful. Amen. Thank you. Good job, Valentine. You will inevitably go through false accusations, misinterpreted intentions, and difficulties in anything you attempt to do for the Lord. Aid to the men. Remember that when we learn that remember that we learn obedience from the things we suffer. Let me read that again. Remember that we learn obedience from the things we suffer. Everybody in here would rather encouragement than correction. You know, I actually prefer to be encouraged rather than corrected. Yeah, join the club. But you know what gets change and what brings about change? Those conversations where you're like, ooh, do they hate me? Why are they being like this? Did I, am I good enough? I don't know if I can do this. I'm questioning everything. And then you go to the Lord because you got no place else to turn. Come on. And he speaks something to you that assures you and affirms you and shows you who you are. Amen. You don't necessarily go back and say, yeah, give me another, right? <laughs> but what it produces in you can be life-changing. Yeah. The wise don't love correction because to the wise it's pleasant. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Yeah. Right? But it will produce something in you that's beautiful if you'll let it finish its work. Yes. <laughs> Train yourself to live in obedience to the Word so that God may be glorified even if you are suffering reproach. The Word is your constant, primary, and most effective tool in the struggle 
against evil. It's important. There, are, It's funny to watch this too. We're going through a season of where other people's callings are beginning to come to the surface or other people are stepping out into leadership and they're feeling the weight of that. And then many of you guys, and you may not all know this, many of you guys are, are starting something or are doing something and not many people are showing interest or not many people are showing up or being faithful to be there. And you're trying to lead something. You're stepping out to lead something. You're starting something and not many people are seeing it as valid or giving you affirmation in what you're doing. I want to tell you that this is a crucible that's necessary for leaders. Because if you're doing it only because people are affirming you and showing up and telling you that you're amazing, right? (laughs) And if you're seeing lots of fruit and it's so good and people are just lavishing praise on you and it's so clear... Do you know what that makes you? A weak leader over time because as soon as that drops out, you're like, what am I doing wrong? I think I've gone the wrong way. I need to get back to that place where I've got the praise and affirmation of man. Uh, How do I get back to it? What do you need me to say? I'll say anything. I'll do whatever. Uh, And that's how we end up in the place that we are today because people start off with tons of praise and affirmation. (laughs) To go through that place where you're being rejected where no one cares what you have to say, where you're serving in the dark or behind the scenes, right? Where you're having that heavy load put on you and you wonder, will this season end? Does anyone see me? Does anyone see what's happening, what I'm doing? Does anyone see? Do you know who sees? The Lord. He sees what's done in secret. And we learn to do it not for the praise and affirmation of man, but for the Lord. And that's a foundation that can be built on. Come on, Hans. I remember sitting across just you and me. Yeah, come on. See, most people don't know that. Before there's any chairs, before there's any building, sitting in my living room, me and Hans. There wasn't a lot of cheers for me. No, no cheers. He's like, you're not going to want any cheers for me. I'm like, no. No affirmation. And then the next question was, do you have guacamole? Do you have guacamole? Yeah. Shirts and the food. Shirts and the food. 1 Timothy 5.17 The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of Double, Double honor. honor. Especially. Double honor. honor. Double honor. Double. What? Hey. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Especially those who work as preaching and teaching. Honor is a concept often abused by men. How many of you guys would say we have an honoring culture in here? I like that. That's pretty good. That's what it needed to be. It needed to be like three people kind of partially raising. Do we want to develop an honoring culture? Someone give me some ways. Y'all give me some ways. How can we develop an honoring culture in here? Yes, Preferring sir. Preferring others. Preferring others. Elaborate, please. 
whatever, you know, like come into a situation and looking for people that I can come up to and encourage, pray for, what can I help you with, anything like that. Mm. That's great. Mr. McClellan, that was a wonderful and wise answer. I love you and your family. You bless me tremendously. Amen. I, play, I pray favor and prosperity on you guys right now in Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What are some other ways we can have an honoring culture? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I like it. I like it. Y'all know me. <laughs> you know what? On that note, yes? I drove by your house today, came in and gave you a hug. And yes. I said, I said, hey, Lily, is your dad inside? She said, yes, sir. And it just was like, it really just touched my heart. What else? Come on, come on, come on. Yes, Lynette. You do what you say. Do what you say you will do. Ooh. Love it. That will definitely produce honor. Yes. There's something else. Yes. I was just going to say speaking well of others and having others' interests and other needs above your own. Yes. Speaking well of others in any setting. Good goal. Let's strive for it. Yes. Um, obeying even when uh, you might want to question it, but without questioning it. Mm. Can we actually say the phrase obey? Can we say that term? <laughs> is that is that does that mean that we're less than? Does that mean that I'm not a human? Does that mean that I'm less than human if yeah, I obey? Okay. Okay. I'm okay. So we can say obey. <laughs> it's good. So there might be commands given here. We might actually give commands in here. Does that dehumanize you? Does that put you down? Right? There are commands that are given in the army. You say, yeah, but that's the army. What better army is there than this? And we're only following the commands of the Lord anyway. Are we not? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so, so maybe not just complaining right away yeah. or like arguing right away. Because we want people in here to be able to avoid. If you see something that needs to be corrected, well, then by all means, present it. Speak the truth in love for sure, Amen. right? For the purposes of building up, not to tear down or disqualify. But yeah, when it's like, no, I disagree. And then voicing it and to cause dissension or to cause faction, right. fractions. Factions? Factions. Compound fractions. Yes. Uh, listening and being fully uh, attentive to the council of elders who are more older than us. Wow. I like that. Listening and being fully attentive to the council of elders. Yes. What else? Yes, ma'am. Having a heart that is humble and willing to repent even to a child. Repent even to a child. Yes. Humble hearts. It's good. Yes, sir. I got a couple. Okay. In uh, uh, what is it, Galatians five, where it says, "Not use your freedom, you know, to indulge in sinful nature, but to uh, su be subject to one another in love." Yeah. So using our freedom to be subject to one another, and Valentine gave a awesome word this Sunday at the guy's house on uh, just the Sabbath, but in it. He talked about, you know, the Sabbath for him is not his own time, mm. but it's exactly what Mike said, to prefer others and using his time to be a servant to the body Amen. in whatever capacity necessary. Using so, your time to be a servant <clears throat> to the body in whatever capacity. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Alan. Uh, I really, really like what uh, Brother Mike said because uh, Lily actually honored my family just recently. 
Um, and I think it's a perfect example of honor. Um, I bless her. I just, I just I bought a lollipop for her. But the, the funny thing was she was buying for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right, and and really, I was getting a bag of candy for myself on the way to the subscription class too. So. <laughs> but but um, you know, she she wanted to uh, she wanted to bless me back, and I said, look, you really want to bless me, bless my wife. And um, the the reaction that my wife got at the day that she went there, the the amazement and the honor that I, I felt I received mm-hmm. by what she did from for my wife. Um, I, I think that was a perfect example. I think she is a woman of honor. I think she was instilled honor and taught honor by you two. And, and oh, it says, says a lot about you two. Praise God. She's got an awesome mom. Yeah. She sure does. Yeah. There are some other ways we can hold the door for each other. Yeah. Right? Uh, as men, we can give up our seats for the women. The younger can give up their seats for the older. We can look around to make sure that others are taken care of before we partake ourselves. Maybe when we go to eat, we allow the women, we allow guests to go first whenever we're eating at someone's house. We clean up the dishes for them. We take out the trash for them when we go to their house, right? We clean up after ourselves, right? All these things. We take care of this space, right? And we look around. We don't immediately, oh, what do you guys want to do next, right? Let's just go. <laughs> when we take care of the space. For sure. Sometimes I do these things so that they get burned into your brain. Oh, it's burned. Oh, it's It's good. That's good. That's what I want. Good. Good. So moving on. Some have a papal view. Shepherd us. Papal. Pope. Papacy. Believing their word is equal to God himself. That is one end of the spectrum. Others have such a loose view of honor as to make it completely subjective and intangible. It's not even this thing that has any practical implications in life. That's not what we want either. Right? We need to find that godly balance. At this church, the honor that we believe your leader should be accorded is that you give serious consideration to the instruction you have received. If a stranger gave you advice, and you would think about it for a day. We believe that when you receive the same advice from us, it deserves twice the consideration. In the end, the decisions will always be yours. And the best encouragement we can give you is to heed these five principles. In doing so, your life will honor Jesus and those who serve him with you. Veronica, will you read joy for us, please? Making sure your life is a joy to those who must be given an account for you. Good. Uh, Mark, will you please read seriousness? Preaching, teaching, and living in a way that provides no opportunity for an outsider to slander those who vouched for you. Good. Jackson, will you please read holding? Holding on to and focusing on the teachings that were installed in you and that helped you grow. Uh, Henry, please read careful. Living in a way that puts the gospel on display to the lost, using loving uh, submission to crush faction and dissension. That's good. Good. Victoria, will you please read constant? Let the word govern every area. Live in it. Mm. And Dan, will you please read honor? Honor the Lord by letting him lead your every move. 
honor the church leadership by giving careful consideration to their instruction. Beautiful. The call. We will finish this week with an open discussion guided by the bullets below on the calling of God. The call is not a job to be performed in the secular sense. It is a function or position within the body of Christ that you stand in by virtue of His choosing. Jesus determines where you fit in the body and what you are to do. Your life in general should be reflective of your calling and your calling should be recognizable in your lifestyle. Did we talk a few weeks ago about calling, vision, <laughs> gifts and talents? Yeah. Right? Do you guys remember those? Yeah. And we began to talk about um, what would you do when you were dropped off in another country? Yeah. 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 It's funny, when you begin to think of others in that way, we were just talking about this uh, too. Uh, when you fall into despair or you begin to feel hopeless or you lose sight of who you are, maybe you've failed and you made a mistake, you fell into sin, the best thing that we can do for each other is to remind ourselves of what we're called to and of who we are. We don't need to beat ourselves up anymore. The devil has got that covered. <laughs> We need to confess, we need to be healed, we need to be reminded of who we are. This is the best thing that we can do when we fall into despair or when someone makes a mistake. We need to remind each other of what we were put here to do, the calling. Ephesians 4.11, let's go there. Casey, would you mind reading out Ephesians 4, 11 through verse 16? Stand up and read it loud and proud, my friend. Ooh, come on, brother. And, you, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith, of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Man, I just want to listen to you read the whole Bible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. This is what we're aiming for. Yeah. In a different place. Listen, and, and I want to reiterate. Make no mistake about it. It's, it's not like this church is it. Yeah. We're not it. 
We are, the, the, all we are is we're just trying to take the word seriously. Amen. There's people doing that all over the world. There's people doing that all over the world. When we learn to do this the right way in here, we enter into this new environment where we are partnered with the people who are taking the gospel seriously around the world. You say, I live in America. Christianity is this way in America. It doesn't have to be that way. You have the opportunity to take your faith seriously here. What do you have at your disposal? Can you tell me, you guys, what, what do you have at your disposal? The Bible. You have the Bible. What else do you have? The Internet. What else? Freedom. The Holy Spirit. Witnesses. Cloud of witnesses. Yeah, what else? What? A lot of lost people to minister to. Faithful leaders. Faithful leaders. Good brothers in arms. Good preaching. Brothers in arms. Everything you need for life and godliness, including Bible Hub, Blue Letter Bible. We have, we can't even imagine, I mean, even compared to 60 years ago, the tools that we have at our hands. There is nothing that we can't know within a few minutes. You have to remember, it wasn't always like that. Right? Now listen, listen. I remember whenever we were at Master's Commission and we were doing Bible study, we were going to have a serious Bible study. And the guy that came in to do the Bible study had a stack of books this tall and brought them in and then laid them all out on the floor so that we could just figure out the Greek and the Hebrew and the Strong's. I can do that on my phone in a matter of seconds. This is in the last 15 years. The amount of tools and things that we have available to us is insane. You may not have someone beating down your door trying to arrest you. But what you do have is all of these tools at your disposal. Are you being faithful with what you've been given? When we think about being infants tossed back and forth, by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. You want to know what line comes out to me from the Acts book? Most people can fill up pages with other people's revelations. But couldn't fill up one page with revelations that they themselves have received from the Lord. Are you receiving revelations from the Lord yourself? as you read the word are there things that he has shown you that you know to be certain beyond a shadow of a doubt this is where we have to get because do you know what you can do you can share that with someone yeah. a revelation that you have received the way that we don't get tossed around by every wind of teaching right every time someone new comes up and they're super flashy or super winsome or funny or hilarious or they got cool media, or they're just such a charismatic person, the way that we don't get drawn back and forth over and over again to every new preacher, every new book, every new... is we start digging into this ourselves. And we become students of the Word. We become disciples of Jesus Christ. We start taking into account the way our leaders are living and imitating their way of life, and we focus right here. And we bloom where we're planted right here. We stop getting lost out there and we get focused right here. 
and learn how to cultivate this and grow your own garden in your own backyard. Sure, there's Walmarts and Jewels out there and all these and all this. You can go anywhere you want. Learn how to cultivate a backyard, a garden in your own backyard. Yeah. I'm not really talking about plants right now. <laughs> I'm talking about learning how to dig in the Word for yourself. How to hear from the Lord for yourself. Because then you can eat of that wherever you go. Yeah. And that's constant. And that won't change with the times. Mm-hmm. Do you see? Mm-hmm. This is what leaders do. That's what joy, seriousness, holding, careful, constant honor. God's Holy Spirit is the power to carry out your calling and function within the church. The Holy Spirit is the power and the Holy Spirit carries the authority. He is the power and He carries the authority. Why? Because the authority belongs to Jesus. And it's the Spirit of Jesus that lives in us. And so we don't just carry our own authority. We carry His authority. And when we speak in line with the Spirit, it's not Emily speaking. This is the Lord. And Emily is speaking with the authority and the power of the one who defeated death. That's where the power comes from. That's why she can stand up and address a room. Right? She may be small in stature, but when she speaks with the power of the one who defeated death and hung the stars in the sky, something is different. Right? His Holy Spirit is the power to carry out your calling and function within the church. Live like that here. Out there as you represent us. Right? Because we're not just us in these walls. We showed that earlier. Wherever we go, we're us. Right? Anybody have any idea what counter-move authority and loving firmness meant? No. 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 Did you? Uh, Yeah, we looked it up. We looked it up. On the internet. On the internet. He's French, right? Counter-move is French. Counter-move authority was an old State Farm commercial. That was... Back when they had cable TV and stuff. <laughs> Counter move, authority, and loving firmness. Anybody want to take a stab at it? Go ahead, Summer. I, I just looked it up. Uh, Counter move, a move or other action made in opposition to another. Okay, so within the context of counter move, authority, and loving firmness, take a stab at what you think he's trying to say here. In the context of all of this? Yeah. I feel like, because with authority being like the authority being the power to choose and like having the right to make the, the decision, and then loving firmness being the way that you present it, I feel like within all those, it's like okay, you can have a counter movement, like you can have the the um, reaction to be in opposition and not be um, following or submitting under your leadership, but like good leadership, the way that they do it, the way that they present their authority, I feel like um, shouldn't have the response of a counter move, like naturally. If they're doing it in a way that is firm in what they believe in and not wishy-washy and being, you know, swayed back and forth, people will see the firmness, see the consistency, see the steadiness, and see that it's done in a way of love and not just, um, like, dictatorly or whatever. And so I feel like a counter move, like, shouldn't happen if the leader is operating in a way that's 
I like that. I like that. Our, I think that's good too. So what I wrote was if someone was opposing you, then and then they meet your authority, right? So someone, let's say that someone in here were to oppose me, right? They would they would they'd be coming up against my authority, right? And I would respond with loving firmness. But I also I also like what you're saying. It's like the idea of I'm not reacting. Is is kind of what I hear what you're saying. I'm demonstrating my authority. I can be lovingly firm, right, with someone instead of simply just responding. Anybody else want to take a stab at it? We don't have to really dissect it if we don't want to. Yeah, go ahead. So, like, I think of military terms where it's okay. like if someone is attacking you, you make a counter move. Okay. So when your authority, let's say for this example, yeah. is some, like, it says that, you know, we fight against all the spiritual power forces, all that. It's like if that is coming against you, yeah. you can counter move. In the authority that you've been given, yeah, in loving firmness and yeah. and keeping it in, um, and not in a way that's like um, defensive, you know. Like when I think of loving firmness, I think of someone who's just like, I don't have anything to fear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> perfect love casts out fear, so it's like I know where my authority comes from. I can stand and I can counter this attack <coughs> just in security. Yeah, go to John nine forty one. I think this is an example of uh, opposition, authority, and loving firmness. So, Jesus heals a man born blind. This is a messianic miracle. The Pharisees are investigating the healing. They are doing their best to disprove it. It's coming up against scrutiny. Uh, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, starting in verse 35. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus says, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? That's a move or a counter move. Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. He didn't move. He didn't bend when his authority was questioned or pushed. He responded in loving firmness. I think this is a perfect example of what I believe that he's expressing through this. We have authority. That authority will be pushed on. And we must hold the line and in loving firmness stand strong, even if it costs us our life. Yes, sir. And just a few verses over, I think, good example. This is John 10, 10. Jesus saying that thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Mm. Yep. Because we are always under a counter move of the enemy. That's true. The, the, 
closer we get to him, the more he wants to take us out. That's true. And the Lord demonstrated his authority with loving firmness. Amen. That's good. The scriptures, all sharing, teaching, advice, and counsel must not only be based on the word, but come as directly as possible out of the word. Teaching concepts not laid down in the word is to teach from the carnal mind, and that kind of teaching will only reach the mind. Listen, guys, I want to tell you this. Be careful of people who give a few scriptures and then elaborate with stories and thoughts and opinions the rest of the time. This is what a large amount of preaching has become, and that is not the standard that we are setting or holding in this body. Okay? We are not setting a standard that reads a couple of verses and then gives our opinions and thoughts and stories and feelings the rest of the time. I want to tell you the reason we don't do that is because that's not what the world needs. The world doesn't need to hear Nick's opinions and thoughts on everything. What we need is the Word of God. What we need is the truth. Our focus is spiritually cent- our, our focus is spiritually centered and is aimed at reaching beyond the intellect and into the spirit. To be carnally minded is death, no matter how good it sounds. To be led of the spirit is life and makes you a son of God. Romans eight. Other important issues for discussion review: personal holiness, divine order, prayer, praise and worship, laying on of hands, and separation. Um, I want to open this up and use the last uh, few minutes that we have uh, for any questions on any of these topics or anything that we've covered so far. It's an open floor. Any questions at all? Yes, sir. I I guess my one thing after going through all this, uh, this is almost really spiritual leadership. But leadership in, in everyday Example, and uh, uh, I'm going to go to uh, Matthew 21, uh, 25. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be last. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I, I know many, many years ago, um, I produced a, a feature film and uh, spent six months doing all the location scouting. Everything was on paper. And within a matter of three weeks, it went from everything being on paper, I had my 44 locations locked in. Now all of a sudden, I got 150 cast members. I've got a crew of 12, only one of which had ever had any production experience. <laughs> And I, I, I had never let a goat in my life. And so it was a real humbling experience for me. I'm, I'm the director, I'm the producer. It's all on my shoulders and I had everybody looking at me. And, and I really went to that place of being a servant. Each one of them, finding out what their gift was, how can, I can help them soar, how I can help them encourage them to do their job. I had had to do that with cast members, but mostly it was my crew. And uh, it, it, it proved to be very effective. Another example would be I had a client who owns, uh, founded Auto Engineering, uh, largest manufacturer in Carpersville. And he hired a guy to run his machine shop. And he said, I want you to run this like you own it. 
whatever you need, we'll get for you. He put himself in a servant position to allow this guy to soar, and he did. He had one of the most, the cleanest, most productive machine shops, you know, in the area. He did a phenomenal job. Hmm. And so um, I discovered through all this that being a servant um, to the people under you is is really one of the best ways uh, to allow their gifts, their their talents, and their strengths to grow. Amen. Amen. I agree. That's good. Anyone else? <clears throat> Any thoughts or questions on anything that we've covered? Yes, sir. Um, you know, I was just thinking about um, you, you, you said about background just like you and me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking about that as I was like looking at joy, seriousness, holding, careful, and uh, constant. Uh, and I think about like the foundation, like from you and me, like the foundation and like um, authority, I guess, um, and leadership that has, I feel like, from my perspective, that has held, that has been a monumental, a foundational thing of this church um, that is stuck to that um, may not have seemed like an authority thing um, was that we always, whether, whether I, didn't like it or whether you didn't like it, something that we always chose to do um, was like serve. I remember when, um, <coughs> when I say serve, like serve those around us. Yeah. I remember the, one of the earliest things I remember was um, when we helped Jared move. Yeah. Um, we had five different vehicles, we didn't have a trailer <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. But it's something that we were consistent in um, and it's something that you always did is like okay how can I um, it may it's like everyone that it's moving yeah it's not necessarily the heart of oh this person needs help moving it's this person needs help and um, so it's something that we're talking about consistent um, and not changing because of like who's seen you and stuff yeah, yeah. like that so I feel like um, that is an example of I feel like tying all those things together um, because we were serious about helping people we were joyous in doing it um, we were consistent in doing it and it was honoring to the Lord and I feel like that foundation um, is what's propelled us because like, if you look at churches our size and our like youth we've had a lot of like ups and downs but there's churches that are ten times older and are dying um, yeah. I feel like from being in that I feel like that is the biggest thing is that consistency and when no one was looking uh, because no one, maybe one person would see the joy and see how it's honoring to the Lord, um, not 300. So those yeah. things are very true. Um, yeah. That leadership is when there's only one person on there, no one has to still do what the Lord has called me to do. That's cool, man. That's cool. That's awesome. Caleb, you have something? You can say it. Um, on page 228. Yes. Um, we can give you is to heed these five principles, but it has six principles. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Good catch. Good Good I like the preface for that too. A good build up. Yes. So, what do you see, 
or, or what potential do we have in this church uh, to be better or more effective leaders in this community? What do you see that, like in us that we can change as a body to be more effective leaders in the community? What do you guys see? What do you see? You're out in the community just as much as I am. What is it? That's a deflection. Deflection. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. What, what, anybody, what do you guys see out there? What, is it, what are the needs of the community? I mean, even if we don't want to because we know that we're going to be judged or dismissed or whatever, um, I think just going to the Word, you know, like being in the Word before you're in the world, before you're amongst the leaders that you're around, the people that you're working with, the people that you're seeing every day who, who don't know, and they say something, and you can confront them with what the Word says, and not our own thoughts. And that's something that I've been learning being here is like, it's not about what I think. It's not about what I've been told to think. It's about what the Word tells me and what God tells me to think and to say and what is true. And so as to be a leader is to say what is true and what you know is true confidently with the authority that we've been given. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. When we go out into the world, are we going out with the Spirit of God? Yes, sir. I think the question is what opportunities are out yeah. there for this body. I guess one thing that has been on my heart is um, going out to those people who are, uh, they feel the most distant from the Lord. <coughs> and they're finding comfort in, in worldly things. Yeah. Um, out, out at bars. Yeah. Um, you know, and not just going to talk at them, but going to build relationships with them. Mm -hmm. So they, they don't only hear the word, but they see Jesus working in our lives. Yeah. It's yeah. a good man right there. Yes. Yes. That, that makes me think about what is our what is our effective testimony, right? How do you take back what the enemy has stolen? The idea of, you know, if you've been set free from something, you have victory, you know, to to show that like the power of that testimony to, to claim that ground that the enemy took is not a, is to go back and reclaim in those areas he wants to victory in your life. So, you know, if like what Brad said made me think about that, like, you know, if you had been previously in your life drawn into the the bar scene and God has set you free from that, you have a powerful testimony with wisdom and discernment and good counsel. I like your emphasis on to, wisdom and discernment there. To go and, and help save people from that. Um, not to foolishly rush in and think you're stronger than you are, but, you know, yeah. like, you know, if Brad wants to do that, you know, bring a brother with, to, as, you know, to go with him and, you know, things like that. But Yeah, it is interesting, uh, the, the passage it talks about, uh, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but instead must do something useful with his hands. Mm -hmm. He may benefit others. What do you steal with? Right. Hands. It says, instead, do something beneficial with your hands. Mm -hmm. To give yeah. to others. Right. It's like the reverse of what you were doing. Yeah. Right? Because there was a desire that was in you, and you were meeting it in a very shallow way. Go deeper with it, and you'll see that what you actually wanted was this. Right? It's good. It's good. Last one. Uh, I, I'm struggling a lot with uh, giving leadership counsel to who I train or who I'm leading because of what I've looked into for so long instead of looking to the Word of God for leadership. I've looked to other leaders or worldly leaders now that I see now. Then I'm struggling between speaking the Word of God plainly and boldly to people, even though it might 
like what you were talking about a couple years ago, deflecting that weight of responsibility. No, I follow Jesus. I'm a disciple. I'm not just a follower. I'm a disciple. Mm. And like me deflecting that kind of uh, accountability and responsibility of knowing that my responsibility is to the Lord, not to a business and not to um, uh, anybody else. But my, my accountability is, is to the Lord. And if the Lord is telling me to speak something, I need, I need to speak it plainly and not give worldly counsel, but to give godly counsel. The ultimate walk away from tonight that's so important that everybody gets is we all understand the authority of the Lord to a degree. We get it. The Lord has authority, mm-hmm. right? We get that we're supposed to have authority because the Lord has authority. Mm-hmm. But what we've been missing is the way authority is carried out among men and women. This is what the point was tonight. To see that it is a God-instituted structure for authority to be had among leadership and for us to respond to that authority. I purposefully put myself under the authority of Nick and Mark and Ben, Anthony and Paul, the group of leaders. I subject myself to scrutiny by all of you. I am under the authority of the overseers of this church. I put myself under authority. I don't stand before you as the ultimate authority. I stand before you as someone who has authority in this church, but who also subjects myself to other authority. Do you see? We need to learn to respond to that. I've put myself in a position on purpose to where if I became rebellious and sinful, I could be removed from the church that started in my living room. Why? Because authority is something instituted by God, and it is for our good and His glory. (coughs) We have to recognize it's not about us, and when we don't understand authority and we respond in fear or rebellion, what we're doing is we're sowing seeds. Because one day... We may be put in a position of leadership and those seeds of fear and rebellion that we've sown right, will come back full circle to us. So if you've been rebellious, if you've been afraid, if you've rejected authority and rejected leadership, we've talked about it enough times up until now, let it go. Repent and begin responding in a godly way to the authority that's been put in your life. Right? Amen? Amen. Amen. Faye, will you pray for us, please? Amen. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you so much for uh, your word and your truth. Lord, may our hearts be good soil. May your truth fall into good soil and bear fruit for your glory. Yes, Lord. Uh, would you help us to fully understand these biblical truths, Lord, yes. and to apply them, yes. not just to be hearers of the word, but doers, God. Yes. Father, would we bring you glory? Would we um, just uh, seek after eternal glory that we would lay our crowns at your feet, mm. God? Mm. That anything we receive in this life, God, would be for your glory, yes. Father. Yes. Uh, we love you and we thank yes. you. Amen. God bless you guys.